David, it's good to have you back. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. I had a, I had a really good trip to uh, Virginia, but on my way there, I stopped by D.C. for the Spy Museum. So uh, I uh, highly recommend it, and check out some pictures on our Facebook page. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Because I posted a bunch of stuff on there. Um, they they had so many different exhibits. You know, like the COVID, they're like, their email is like, oh, try and limit your visit for two hours. And like, I was watching the time and we only got through a third of the first floor. There was so much information at every little exhibit. And I wanted to read everything. It was intense. Were they um, enforcing they, it though? No, no, no. I could have stayed, but I had planned on, oh, this will just be two hours. We were walking around for three and a half hours. And finally, I was just like, I, I, I am starving. Let's just go to the gift shop and then get some food because I, I, I'm about to pass out or something. Give me an idea. Um, how, how big is this place? Um, well, it, it seems like they rotate floors because they sent us to the fifth floor. And then their fourth floor is like the next floor. So I'm guessing they rotate exhibits or something as they're doing new ones. So um, uh, the, just the one floor is probably like the size of like a target. And, and, and they broke it up into different sections. And there's five, um, and was, like five, five floors of target. That sounds massive. Well, it'd be like four, the second floor and the first, the first floor is where the, the gift shop is. So it would be two, three, four, five, right? So I think they used two floors. That would be my guess because they just were like, all right, we're going to send you to the fifth floor. But I think everybody went to the fifth floor. So <laughs> I don't think I, – I don't think uh, – I, I, I think they might rotate exhibit. I don't know. But I, I definitely want to go back again and, like, with the mindset of, like, okay, we're going to be here for, like, five hours or yeah, six we're gonna hours. Make, or we're we're going to make that trip someday. Maybe this year. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll make it happen. That would be cool. I wanted to do a live stream, but they didn't allow video. Oh, so, yeah, I was gonna live stream the whole thing. Well, it um, is on our Facebook page after all. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, oh, do uh, there are so many movies I didn't even know existed. So I got pictures of them that we got to add to our list. In fact, I got to remember to do that later. Um, but one of them, there was a whole room about like a handler and agent relationship. And there's a movie called The Green Prince. I don't know if it's on our list, but we definitely got to watch it. It's about a Mossad agent that flipped um, a Hamas member from Palestine or something. And they had a whole like 15, 20 minute video about how their relationship was built. And I took a bunch of pictures of the wall where it talked about like the strategies that handlers will use to like develop agents and, you know, they had a whole interview with him where he talks about, yeah, there's a little bit of manipulation, but, you know, building a lot of trust and transparency between you and your, like, agent is, like, really important. So, like, I didn't even know this movie existed, so we definitely got to put this on the list. I'm so I highly right recommend now. everybody. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm literally putting it on. I'm typing as we speak. Yeah, I think it's I think it's The Green Prince is what it was called. Um but uh, everybody listening, definitely go check out the Spy Museum. And, I want to uh, ask. I, I, I want to ask uh, just one question. Like, was there anything going in that you were like specifically excited to check out, and did you get to? 
or were uh, there you just, wasn't. Were I you didn't still know. Open minded. Oh, I was just going in open mind because I don't. Th- I mean, I've seen some of the pictures of their exhibits there. So, but they didn't. They don't have like a full on, you know, like the CIA museum because you can't go there. It's not open to the public. They have a whole like virtual tour of that museum. They, I don't think they have anything like that about the spy museum. And I've watched a lot of their uh, podcasts and listened to a bunch of their podcasts because they always have someone's book that they're talking about. And I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, there's got to be tons of stuff linked to that. But most of that was in the gift shop, the the actual exhibit. I mean, like I didn't go to the I skipped the second floor just because I was like dying. But the all of the exhibits were like based like everything was divided on different sections of tradecraft. Like so they had like. So, like, I didn't really know about anything specific that was well, – oh, other than – um, wait, uh, uh, the code – the code – what's the Alan Turing machine that he found? Crap, I forgot the name of the machine. Uh, I'm sure the audience knows because – but uh, I, I took a picture of it. They have one of the actual machines they found in the sub. Oh, that, no. Uh, Alan, yeah. So, oh, I, yeah. I got oh. pictures of that. They had a whole exhibit about Alan Turing, and but that Enigma. whole area, Enigma. Enigma, yeah, the Enigma machine. They had like five or six different ones, and and they had like one of the original ones that I think that was found on the sub. Um, but that whole area, that was like one exhibit. The whole area was dedicated to code breaking. Then there was like a whole exhibit dedicated to like, like. Um, you know, uh, picking up signals. So like SIGINT, so like, you know, uh, spying by using planes, spying by using radio waves, spying, you know, like there was a whole exhibit dedicated to tech. Then the first exhibit was based on like human intelligence, which was like all agents and stuff. Um, like, you know, I was telling you earlier tonight, there was that Russian agent. They had a whole little cool little thing on where they had like an actor do a video. And it was like maybe like 12 minutes of the actor talking about that guy's life. And that guy had like, 20 to 30 different aliases. And one of them, I think he pretended to be a count and like conned this woman for like four or five years. Like it was just like ridiculous, this guy's life. And then during Stalin's purge, you know, he dedicated like what, like 20 something years of his life to the Soviet like cause. And then Stalin's whole purge, they threw him in prison. Like it was bullshit, you know, type of thing. But this guy was like a fucking like just prodigy, like intelligence agent that like just was like a master of like uh disguise in like, uh, alias like would just com- completely become a different person so I highly highly recommend going there There's, it, it was like every little station had so much shit to read and watch and like and what's cool is they give you like an undercover identity and like a bunch of different areas have like these computers where you gotta like solve puzzles or like they test you on like different aspects um, so it was like it was kind of cool like doing that Um uh, so yeah, I, I highly, highly recommend it. Definitely. Oh, awesome! I love, I love what you just said about the like the ID cards. Uh, I yeah. just cracked. I mean, you brought me, you brought me one uh, souvenir, which is a book of uh, intelligence community humor. Yeah, and I've just, <laughs> I've, I've just barely cracked it. But apparently, there was like, there was like one uh, uh, prank they used to play on all the rookies in the CIA. Uh, which was um, okay. It was it was something called "shout your badge number down the burn shoot" prank, and <laughs> uh, apparently that doesn't work anymore. But according to this, and let me see when he wrote this. Um, it doesn't say. Okay, so I don't know if this is old. Oh, 2018. 
But uh, as of 2018, the latest uh, prank to play on CIA newbies is okay. So you know how you know how the urinals these days they have a sensor that can just tell that you've flushed or that you've right. peed and you've moved away and it just automatically flushes. Yeah. Okay, so they they tell the rookies to swipe their badge against that little sensor so that the agency can tell because <laughs> the agency is conducting drug testing on their urine and that way they can tell who's, who's... <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I brought you that book cuz I was looking for like little like just little gifts for a bunch of people to bring back from that museum. Oh, dope. Yeah. And no, I like I like I saw that so and I was like Todd would totally love this. And like, it, like there's so many like funny stories in it that we could like bring up like every like podcast episode or like at least once in a while, just be like, Oh my God, I found this one from that book. Uh, so I thought, I thought you would get a kick out of it. Oh shit. I'll make that a feature. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm going to go see, uh, like my plan is to go see the three, five, five tomorrow. Oh, um, that'll be cool. My expectations are extremely low, even though, like, I mean, I love the cast and the preview looks awesome. And you know how much I love, uh, you know, badass women kicking ass, doing spy stuff. But, I mean, think about it. It looks like this movie has been delayed for, like, at least two years. And they're releasing it on on March or January 7th. That is traditionally a time to dump your trash. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to be, uh, uh, you know, I'm hoping to have my expectations exceeded, uh, um, but, but I'm worried, but you know, oh, I gotta do it. I gotta do it, but that's my plan yeah. for tomorrow. Um, well, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that they've, cause, uh, the the title is obviously for Agent Three Five Five from the Culper Ring, who who is believed to have been a woman. Um, and we just did turn, um, you know, what was it? A few months, a couple months ago, has like our TV show one, and um, I think it was the main woman was supposed to be Agent Three Five Five. And um, and that's confusing to me, and I hope it plays out well. And a strong, sorry. The 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 um the value proposition of the movie based on the trailers that I've seen is that this is a truly international team. So why it's titled after something that's so quintessentially related to the origin of, you know, like the pre dawn of American intelligence. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah. Hopefully it pays off no matter what I'm going to get my nachos and, and I'm going to sit in the theater and I just love doing that. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know what else I love? Oh. I love talking about fucking spy shit in entertainment and spy stories with you, Dave. And what are we here to talk about today? Le Bureau. We're back. Um, I think we did. Yeah, so last week we, we posted up a replay of, uh, what was it, our brush pass? Yeah. Just checking yeah. out the Bureau. Yeah, and... This is kind of what led in us wanting to do this TV format. So definitely anybody listening, shoot us some feedback if you don't like the TV format or if you like it. But we we wanted to try and do what like an over an overview of the season. So we only do like three podcast episodes 
per show season, so it doesn't kind of like overstay its welcome. Like we're not just going to do every single episode, but we're we're watching the season. But um, what's funny here? What's funny here is like that that episode was from fucking March of last year. I can't oh, our brush pass of it. Oh yeah. wow, that's how long it's been. Wait, and, so we're uh, going on two years now, huh? Oh yeah, we're into yeah, we're into we're starting in, into our third year right about now. Uh, this oh, is wow. going to be, I believe. Uh, let's see, I believe uh, uh, our next movie episode, Sicario, we just decided on, is going to be episode ninety three. So we're getting up on a hundred episodes. Oh and, wow! And, and I don't think that counts brush passes. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, so uh, it's funny. I listened to that episode again, you know, before I cut it down and, and reposted it. And Mm -hmm. specifically in that one, we're talking about like, you know, we, we still really haven't fucking figured out how we're going to do, how we should approach television shows. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I like what we're doing. I like what we're doing here. I like Um, it too. Um, I I, yeah. I think it works, and unfortunately, for some of those TV shows that we did previously do just a quick brush pass on, we have to go ahead and repost those before we get back into the meat. But we are ready to get into the meat of the bureau right now, right? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, you said you wanted to talk about just in general, like how much how much you like this show at the top. I am. Full black, um, and I think we well, we had a fan that told us to check this show out. Um, I think it was yeah. Jim, right? Uh, yeah. So Jim, if you're listening, this this is for you, and definitely thank you for this recommendation because um, I think Todd and I have both like just expressed our over abounding joy of the existence of the Americans, and I feel like Le Bureau is not just at that level, but like maybe like a step above the Americans as far as tradecraft goes. I, uh, I, it's, I'm just completely blown away with how much is packed in and like how much it's not like just thrown in there. Like a lot of it makes sense. And they're really showing you the effectiveness of some of these techniques that they use. Um, one thing I really, really liked that kind of struck a chord with me when I was, you know, watching up to episode six, the director made a point talking about, you know, cause they're trying to figure out whether or not Cyclone is a, a traitor or not. And, and they actually try and figure out if a lot of people are traitors or not, you know what I mean? And I, his line was, you know, with all the spy movies I watch, everybody looks like a traitor or something like that. Like everyone's suspicious. And that that's something that really kind of struck a chord with me. Cause you know, a lot of times in like spy fiction or like just content in general, it's pretty kind of clear like who the bad guy is, and and it's and it's just watching the team find them or figure them out. You know what I mean? Or if it's or if the audience doesn't know and they're trying to figure it out, it there's like this like like it's it's narrowed down for the audience you know what i mean like it's kind of like a homogenized process which is important in entertainment right you know like you, you watch like kabuki theater and everything's over exaggerated you know like the you look at old plays everything's melodramatic for a reason to kind of show the audience you know you look at like like movie 
action and like like you know it's overemphasized stuff. There's nothing subtle because you want the audience to understand what's happening, right? What what I like about Labiro so much is that that line that the director says that with all the spy films I've watched, you know, everybody looks suspicious or everybody looks like a traitor. Like I w- I was thinking about that, like in in like a real type of you know intelligence agency. Like if you're in charge of like you know uh, counterintelligence or something, like everybody's gonna start looking suspicious, right? Like you know you you could easily turn into James Angleton where you just go on a witch hunt because like every little thing that people do and say and think, you know, and and I, I liked that the guy that they checked through interrogation to see if Cyclone is possibly. Like they, they used him to see like if he was a traitor, they would know then Cyclone is definitely a traitor. But by clearing him, they're like, okay, it's still possible that Cyclone's not a traitor, you know? But with a lot of the cinematic, you know, storytelling that they used, they left it really open. This guy could have been, you know? And so I really liked how the show put like that um, just atmosphere of, of uh, distrust and like vague, uh, you know, like you never know what anybody's doing, especially with like those random shots of uh, our main character. Um, what is it, Matt Matthew? Uh, Malotru. Ma- 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 I-, I can never pronounce Ma- his name. Malotru is Malotru? his code name. That's not usually how we refer to him here in this show. He is Guillaume de Bailey. Guillaume. Uh, and Guillaume and we're gonna Bailey, we're, okay. we're gonna use de Bailey as. Uh, okay. You know, we, I mean, we got to pick like one name that like the audience yeah. <laughs> can really key in on, um, you know, and to keep ourselves straight too. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we're gonna call him De Bailey. Okay, so yeah, like De Bailey, like if if you've ever seen Mindhunter, where they have those just random shots of the BTK killer that has nothing to do with the story, we're getting these shots of De Bailey being interrogated by an American who I assume is the CIA, uh, but I mean, like. I, I don't think they've told us up to we're gonna, we're gonna get to we're gonna get to that yeah yeah, yeah. oh okay. but you're talking Wait. about there's a frame there's a framing device in this one like we have seen and and through the episodes which I've seen more of than you have in each episode like there's a framing device of which is used in a lot of spy movies of mm-hmm. like an interrogation that's happening in the future like after right. the fact. Right, and that and, didn't start till like a couple episodes in or something, right? I promise, I promise you, it actually. I think it even starts in episode one, but each time they go back to it, you get to see a little bit more of what's going on. At oh, first, at first, you just see that he's, uh, you know, answering some questions. He's connected to a lie detector for sure. Yeah, um, but in each. Uh, time that they revisit that interrogation, we get to see a little bit more about like why is this interrogation taking place? Who's uh, actually involved in the interrogation? Um, yeah, but that was something I, I was gonna I was gonna get back to. But but your oh, thoughts? Oh yeah, we, on that? we can definitely yeah we can definitely get back to that. But um, the reason why I bring this up is because of this kind of theme of you never really know who the good guy about like if someone's like clean or not. And if you start looking, you're going to see it everywhere. And so this framing device that you're talking about, where we're seeing this future interrogation of him, we still don't know if the Bailey is legit or not himself. We know that he's seeing this chick that's probably got ties to terrorism, right? You know, Nadia that he's been fucking. And, um, 
you know, and he comes privy to like, oh, wow, she's involved in something herself. And she figures out, oh, he's involved in something. You know, like, you never really know. Like, that's what I really like about this show. Like, you get a lot of spy films, like, you know, especially like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, where we didn't really know who the, the mole was, right? You know, unless you start really paying attention, you might be able to deduce it, especially like after a certain point, you're like, oh, okay, now we know who it is, right? But even in that situation, it's like, there's one bad guy. Who is it, you know, between any of these guys, you know, versus this, it's like, there's a lot more innocent people that look really guilty. And you know what I'm saying? Right. It's like well, if, I, if I remember, if I remember correctly in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, we get the, as the audience were given the information, there is a mole somewhere pretty right. early. We just don't know who it is. Um, in Liburo, we don't, have any of we don't we don't have that to like focus on like right. the the show is not telling us like one of these or like uh, uh that show that australian show what was that called oh pine gap pine gap in pine gap pretty early we're given to say like okay one of these people it's like a closed room mystery one of these people is a traitor one of these people is a werewolf can you as the audience figure out who it is here? We don't have that here. We're just right. like, we're just given, and this is something, this is a feature, by the way, if you, if you listen to us talking about the first episode from almost a year ago, uh, that we talked about how, about this show absolutely does not hold your hand. There's almost zero. I would actually say there is zero. No, almost zero. I can, uh, sorry. Exposition. <laughs> I, I actually thought of a couple points that I might make in this podcast where I think they were doing exposition, but it's very minimal. You're just you're just fly on the wall watching these people do their thing, and you have, to, especially in the first episode, you just have to deduce from the conversations they're having of of even what these people's relationship with each other are or where they exist in the in the organizational structure. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's. And that gave me, and this is this is just to wrap my point up real quick, so we can get on to talking about the episode. This is what I really wanted to pinpoint about this show, especially. I mean, like I haven't seen that for this future seasons, but just this season specifically, there is like such an atmosphere of realism, of just like second guessing, and like you could possibly be wrong, and you understand the gravity of being wrong. So, like, you know, just to kind of give you the premise of what's going on with this guy, Cyclone. He goes missing and they don't know if he betrayed them or not. So they have to gauge what is the damage that could be done if he betrayed us? What is the damage if we just assume he betrayed us? You know, and and there's like a whole nother operation that completely is like the the like coup de gras operation going on right now that's gonna like hurt some real big terrorist plots. If and and they have to figure out right like as soon as possible if this guy's a mole or like a traitor or not, but we're not told that he is or he isn't. We, there's no like like uh, uh, audience irony or whatever uh, where we know there's the, the the bad guy and they figure like we're like along the the side of the intelligence agency and we're watching them like do their job every day, and it's always something different. And there's multiple storylines going on that like really kind of paint the picture of the, the, the life and the job of an, of an intelligence agent. And like, this is just really what I wanted to start talking about 
before we got into the episode that there is so much going on that I really enjoyed it. And, and, and I'm definitely thankful to Jim for recommending it. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I'm, you know, it's just, it's just a factor of like television overload. So much content. Like I can't believe like, you know, we were so excited about watching this show back in March, nine months. It took me to, to finally cycle back around to this shit. Um, I just, I mean, there's just not enough time in the day. Um, but yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to frame this, uh, before we get into, and I'm really excited to get into episode six, but, uh, talk about what we're going to do here and what, uh, uh, how much knowledge each of us has. Uh, I have watched, uh, the entire season and I would have watched episode 10, but I wanted to hold back and not know anything that happens in the final episode before we do this one. As soon as we're done recording this one, I'm going to go watch episode 10 uh, and prepare for our final, uh, which will be spoiler full. You know, <laughs> like at this point, you're in safe hands. We're halfway through the season. We're only going to talk about shit that we've seen up till now. We won't spoil anything in advance, but uh, in the next podcast episode, we'll be like full blast you know, all cards on the table. How about you? How much uh, have you watched of this? I've watched up through episode six. So after this, after we finish recording, I'm going to go and just knock out the last four episodes so I can be ready for number 10. Okay, dope. Um, this uh, this is a French show that was, uh, you know, originally, obviously, you know, uh, released in France, uh, 2015. Uh, it got picked up by Amazon and and put out as the bureau, as opposed to le bureau. Um, one interesting thing that I noticed about this, you know, we had talked about, uh, and this still might be going on. I haven't entirely caught up, but you know, part of the uh, hype about reading about this show online was that like France was kind of starting to do like some really cool shit on television that that was more uh aimed at a at an international audience and this is such a show in fact uh in me you know not being an expert on french television but i'm given to understand le bureau is uh built and produced along the current Hollywood model in a way that is specifically designed to engender that international audience. Like, like this is a, this is, this is a, this represents around circa 2015. So like six years ago, who knows if it's still going on, but uh, you know, this, this kind of, quote unquote, I hate to say Renaissance, especially when we're talking about French shit, because it's a fucking French word. But they they specifically like ran this show. They wanted to do it more in the style of how a show like an HBO show like The Wire is done yeah. with a core showrunner that that comes in and uh you know he's not they're not quite the producer, they're not quite the director, but they're like the core you know, um, in all this great American television show, we have this this uh, persona, the showrunner. It's like this is the person who's the heart of the show. 
and and they like just keep everything tied in together uh so that's what we're looking at here uh and and again if i didn't did i say it a second ago i might have like the show has been compared to the wire by a lot of critics yeah I, i've noticed that about a lot of different foreign stuff i don't know if anybody's watched gamora it's like this italian show about like italian mafia and it's got that same feel that the wire has um so yeah i th- i think i think the rest of the world is picking up on on this like uh hbo television um art art form where it's not just like a soap opera efficient shot type of pump them out every week but they're actually trying to add some style and like flavor to it yeah the evolution of television over the last 10 years has just been like amazing and and we yeah. could do an entire show about that um so yeah that's that's this show now le bureau okay now it's also like the extended title is okay and this is where this is where i stop and say we are going to not only butcher french pronunciation of names we're <laughs> gonna put them through the fucking wood chipper a lot of this shit like i have no guillaume i happen to know <laughs> but i i really don't know if de bailey is the right pronunciation so French listeners, you probably already turned us off. Uh, if 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 uh, if listening to uh, cheeseball Californians uh, butchering your language is something that turns you off, uh, you can just you should probably check out now uh, because there's going to be more of it. Um, but uh, so it's uh, Le Bureau des Legendes is you know, cause I kind of know Spanish. So that's how I would pronounce it in Spanish. What that means literally, do you know what that means literally? Or how would you translate Le Bureau des Legendes into English? Do you know this one? The legends of the Bureau? Right. But you'd be wrong. What, leg- <laughs> what, what legends, what legends means is, or how it translates is aliases. Like, you know, like your cover, your cover. Oh, wow. So it's, it, it really like translates to like the office of aliases or the office of secret identities. Oh, that's really cool. And as far as, okay. So my understanding is this is a fictional agency, but it's embedded within the factual DGSE which is, you know, basically the French, uh, you know, intelligence agency uh, equivalent to the CIA. Uh-huh. This, this uh, one thing I, I, you know, I started wondering about while I was doing my notes for this show is like, like, you know, Le, the Bureau, we'll just call it the Bureau. Um, uh-huh. Like, how, how big is it? Like, Henry Duflot, like, uh, DeBailey's boss, is he the head of the DGSE? No, he's not. He's just the head of this one very kind of small department within the DGSE. Uh-huh. If I'm counting the number of people, of individuals that I think are actually active in this particular office, I can only count like maybe 14 people. And I would guess it's not larger than 30. Mm-hmm. Um, also, and, and I didn't get this from the show. I'm just looking at like the, the, the cast list 
from let's see i've got a i've got a good spot here i think um okay so do do flow that's the bald guy with the funny ties Mm-hmm. You know the guy I'm talking about? The director guy, right? Right. He's the yeah. head of he's the head of the bureau, but he has a boss. That boss uh-huh. is uh I like to call him Mag, which is actually uh-huh. M A G, which is uh like an acronym for a waffle iron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that guy Wiki describes him as the director of intelligence. But he also answers to, I think, a guy named Gank. Oh my God! Fuck you, French Gankwin, uh, who does appear briefly in episode six. I think you'll see him having lunch with with the guy. Uh-huh. Um, and lastly, there's a guy that we haven't seen who doesn't, I think, appear at all in season. Or no, no, we will see him in episode nine, who is described as the director general of the DGSE. Mm-hmm. So basically, like, this bureau is four steps below the top of the DGSE and the organizational structure. Got it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um. So again, like, I'm not sure, like, well, is this the only uh, bureau that, uh, you know, handles undercover agents? I mean, I don't think they, they don't call themselves the Bureau des Legendes. In fact, I don't think in the show we ever find out what the name of their bureau is. Because yeah. uh, well, no one would really say that me, out loud. What was weird to me, because they, they're not the GGSE, right? They're Cause, part cause of What's it. their name? They're part. Oh, of they it. are part of it. Yes, they answer. Um, they answer to the DGSE. They're 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 a fictional office within the DGSE. Okay, because that one chick that that ends up going to Tehran, like she's she's a Luso. Luso is how I would Marina? pronounce it. Yeah, Marina or whatever. Um, she, yeah, she was in the DGSE, and then they recruited her to give her this like false identity to start like trying to like penetrate Iran or something. Um, yes. So I thought they were a separate uh, organization or something. But no, I, no, I they're not they're... separate. It, if you follow up the chain, you can see that the, the chain of command ends at the top with the director general of the DGSE. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, I think it was smart. I don't know what the thought process was going into building this show, but I think it's smart to have made this like compartmentalized uh, office a fictional one. That way you get to play around with, you know, you can be accurate, but you can also take license. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? And then it also might've been uh, a budgetary concern because, you know, we see like a lot of CIA movies you know, everything's coming out of Langley and we get into these huge offices where there's like, you know, I mean, what did we figure? Like there's like 2000 people that work at the Pentagon or some shit like that. Like every day. <laughs> you know, this yeah. is, this is not that this is a, this is a fairly small office. It's a, it's a, 
it's a piece of the GGSE, not the full, not the full thing. Okay. Right. We have a shit ton of other agencies that uh, take part in here. Um, we're going to see uh, some Syrian intelligence, which uh, doesn't get named in the show. And I couldn't find out what the name of Syrian intelligence is these days. But that will come in the form of a character uh, called Nadim, mm-hmm. uh, who we'll talk about later. Uh, we're going to see some of the... Wait, uh, are they Russian... Syrian intelligence? I thought they were terrorists. Okay, here I'm talking about the guy that starts sweating Nadia about her relationship yeah. with Paul. Oh, I didn't know they were Syrian intelligence. I thought they were, they were terrorists. No, they're... You know, the talks that Nadia is is involved with. Uh Um, Okay, the head guy on the Syrian side, he's a member, like he's, uh, uh, God damn it, Bashir, uh, no, God damn it. Who's the guy, who's the fucking, the asshole in Syria? Um, Uh, Bashar, Bashar al-Assad. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Uh, the guy we see in the show, I think, is his cousin. And yeah. so so they're Syrian. Mm-hmm. The people they're talking with are the Russians. Okay. So the guy, so the guy Nadim, that's looking out for uh, Syrian's best interests on the intelligence uh-huh. side, I would just call him Syrian intelligence. I, again, I don't know what their agency is called or anything. Right, right. Um, but but also because these talks are very sensitive, the Russians also have some intelligence operatives from the FSB involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, when we say FSB these days, it's basically the KGB, as far as I've heard. Like they, you know, it's not even like they moved their desks around or moved <laughs> into a new building. They just stopped calling it the KGB and started calling it the FSB. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, we're also going to uh, run into some uh, talks with the Algerian DRS, which is the Algerian intelligence agency, which was founded right after the independence war that we talked about in uh, Battle for Algiers uh, and, and some other episodes. I think uh, Jackal, Day of the Jackal had something to do with that, maybe. Um, Algiers just keeps coming up. Uh, yeah, it was funny. Like in, in our first, uh, uh, when I was, <laughs> cause we had just done battle for Al- Algiers and some other shit. When we were first talking about, uh, Le Bureau in our brush pass, uh, I made a joke about like, this is very quickly becoming the Algerian intelligence podcast. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, how many times have we like opened up the can of worms for battle of Algiers and like how much it's influenced a lot of these films. I'm so, I, dude. It's it's seriously one of the most important movies that I would never have uh, become aware <laughs> of or cognizant of how important it is, uh, except uh, for doing this podcast. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, there's uh, certain jihadists in the Sahel region. Now that is a large region that stretches across major territories in the Afri- in Africa and the Middle East. Uh, they're going to come into play. Iranian intelligence haunts the background of the plot, but we 
have not seen them active as of episode six. Spoiler spoiler alert. We might get to see them uh, later in the season. And uh, again, you kind of spoiled it, but not not really, because this is something like, remember I said, uh, you know, these interviews with DeBailey that are happening in the future, presumably like after like all this other shit has happened, but, mm-hmm. but we don't know what actually happened. Over time, we get to see little bits more of what's really going on. And it's in this episode, episode six, that we see that whoever it is that is interrogating DeBailey mm-hmm. is being coached by a man with an American accent. Right. So, CIA most likely. Right. <laughs> um, how much did you like the... I, I, okay, so our, our main character, right? I went and checked him out. By the way, he's like way more... He's actually better known as a director than an actor. The oh, guy really? that plays uh, Guillaume de Bailey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got more what awards. What did he direct? Uh, yeah, some French stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. A bunch yeah. of awards, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Uh, I, was, I feel I like a total my... Philistine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, admitting that. But uh, but uh, uh, he is best known to American audiences for having a prominent role in the, in the film Amelie. Oh, okay. Oh, Which, that was him. Yeah, oh, okay. Him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. But what was no, what was the best? What was the thing I found <laughs> that was the best? The best was you sent me a chat randomly last week. You're like <laughs> David, David, David. Oh my God, does this guy look familiar? Dude, he's in the Fifth Element. He was the guy that tried to rob Bruce Willis, and then Bruce Willis just takes his gun away from him. He was like, "Yo, you got the safety on. You got. You got to." You had to like push the but yet you know no no the the one right there like he's like coaching him how to like use the gun that he's got pulled on him, yeah that, that was great. Uh, no, that, a, that was a great. It's find. a super it's a super tiny role, but like the guy is selling it like he's just fucking crazy. <laughs> like he's just whacked out on something. Like right. <laughs> and, you know, like I don't know. They 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 uh, the director told him I guess like. You got to pretend like you're really high on some kind of drug, but it can't be any drug that actually exists today in the modern day. You have to imagine you're whacked out on some drug that exists in the far future. And man, <laughs> he fucking nails it. Completely. Completely nails it. Okay. I'm ready to uh I'm I'm ready to hit up uh specifics in episode 6. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, you know one thing. One thing that you know, you, you I don't think you can avoid noticing. Um, watching this show, there's three separate stories going on here that don't interact with one another at all. Well, I mean, certain characters are involved in multiple of the stories, but none of the events in at least up till now. None of the events in any of the three stories uh, influence decisions or reactions made in the other two. Yeah, they're, okay. they're pretty much compartmentalized. They are. They are. And, um, you know, I'm going to mention Willie, William Gibson real quick here. Uh, mm-hmm. 
obviously like massively influential cyber you know father of cyberpunk uh you know one of my favorite authors and this is something that i mean this is similar to something that he did in at least his first three trilogies so his first nine books and i'm not sure i haven't really caught up with him a lot after that but in each of them in in william gibson books there's always three main characters who <laughs> like uh let's say there's a b and c and and each chapter you're cycling back you know you're doing a chapter of a chapter of b chapter of c and then cycles back and he and he repeats this pattern and by the end of the novel like a has met b and b has met c but c never met a and mm. and like there was some point of i don't know he's telling three different stories but like there is a moment of interaction at at the end so far by episode six of le bureau that hasn't happened i'm watching it closely to see if it ever does but uh i think you know uh even though it'll involve us jumping instead of jumping well i'd rather tackle each story uh individually even though like in one story we might advance to the end of that episode six uh for for what's happening with character a for instance and then cycle back for what's happening in the second story okay i hope i didn't confuse that too much three separate stories i'm gonna call them i'm gonna call them luiso cyclone and nadia yeah luiso's story is really really fun um I like this a lot because you okay. If you've, if you've ever watched like spy films or shows or whatever, there's you know there's the mole story and then there's the training story, right? Well, Lusso is kind of like uh, De Bailey's like new protege or new project, I guess, and and he's been tasked with like training her. Um, she's she's uh you know, she's, she's very pretty, uh, very short hair, like um when Britney shaved her head, uh. Like right, I got, number I got, two. I, this is this is how I kept them straight in my head. Is I call her Baby Pixie, and her handler <laughs> is Mama Pixie. <laughs> oh my God, her handler does have a pixie haircut. Yeah, no, they definitely both have that pixie haircut. Um, and uh, yeah, but Luso, so like we mentioned earlier, that she was in the DGSE. But now they had to like uh like squash that whole thing and now she's going into like a whole different alias or something. But the idea is that she's gonna pretend to be a seismologist to get recruited by this Iranian tectonic seismologist guy. He's a scientist. And like every year he takes by the way, I wanna know if this is real. Like, does this actually happen? Do people from other countries come to another country and every year take someone? Like, is France, like, really that known for seismology that Iran is like, yeah, I'm going to go every year and take someone back with me to Iran to help me study seismology. Like, I don't know. I, I, oh, I, yeah, I, 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 well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, I, I hadn't even thought about this. Are we, are we supposed to, uh, are we supposed to think that he's Iranian? Oh, he is. Okay. The, the the guy, yeah, the the guy that's 
picking someone up from France to go back to Iran. Uh, okay, so just to let you know, this is the entire purpose of Lusso's character. Is she's being used to create an identity of being a seismologist that has done work and research and has like accolades and knows what she's talking about, even though she doesn't. Um, uh, she is going to try and like attract the attention of this guy uh, who, I, wh what is the organization they're at? Well, anyway, that guy that we're talking about is Iranian. And what he does is he picks up every year, I guess is what we're supposed to believe. He comes from Iran, works with like this seismology team or like this science center in France somewhere and takes someone back to Iran with him. And they don't want her to like sleep with him, which by the way, I liked a lot. Cause uh, one of the things I learned at, sorry for the huge tangent, no, at the spy museum, they had a whole little kiosk about Matahari. Um, and by the way, there's like a bajillion films about her that we're going to have to do for the podcast. Okay. Um, but they, one of the big things on that exhibit where they were talking about is the femme fatale spy, just like using her, like, like vag to like seduce other spies <laughs> like like that whole like dogma only comes from Matahari that it's not as like prevalent as you would think and I really liked about this show that they did that with her that they made her keep a distance because he's a married man in Iran right and it's you know after the revolution Iran became an Islamic Republic right it's called the Islamic Republic of Iran right you know, because of the whole, whole Khomeini like takeover, right? So him committing adultery, you know, in the country is not going to be a good idea. So if she sleeps with him, he's not going to take her back, right? But she's also ah. like a woman. So he's probably not going to take her back. Like usually like because her handler said he's only taken men back, right? So not only can she not use her female wiles to attract him, she also has to figure out a way to get his attention to get picked to go to Tehran so she could, like, open the door for the penetration of uh, Iranian um, – what is she trying – oh, she's trying to find I out if know. the nuclear Se program Se – oh, no, no, I know. How will this lead – how will this lead anywhere? I'm unclear. I'll, I'll yeah. just state that right now. I'm unclear how – like what the end game of this is. I know that her goal, her her short term, uh, well, I mean, her short term mission is is accomplished already. She's already, uh, you know, gotten into this institute. Uh, right. Her midterm goal is to get picked by him to go to Iran, and then after that, I don't understand what the next oh. step is oh yeah yeah she she well one i don't know how seismology applies to this uh but she's supposed to discover if the nuclear program in iran is for ma weapons of mass destruction or if it's only for electrical you know like uh nuclear you know like like we have our so maybe it's, it's just it's just a way of getting her into iran right pretty with, much with a, with a sweet with a sweet cover yeah like a really good cover, right? And then, like and, a, then like a, and then they'll a, yeah. they'll figure it out. They'll figure out the next steps from right. there. Yeah, yeah. Which I which guess. seems to be a lot. Of, this is what I like about the separate stories in Liburo. They all seem to be really like uh, extensively describing some major portion of intelligence. Like for her, I think it's 
hurt, you know, because they keep talking about, oh, mommy and daddy aren't going to be there to hold your hand all the way. You got to learn how to work on your own, you know, type of thing. And so the, the she's she's cross she's figuring out each bridge as soon as she gets there. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not like we have this big plan to like penetrate Iran's nuclear program. No, first we got to get you in this institution. Then you got to get picked to go to Iran. Right. You know? We haven't we haven't figured out step 10 of the plan. We've only figured right. out steps 1 through 6. Once we get across the hurdle into 6, we'll figure out what step 7 will be, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, and 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 so that's like kind of the general pacing and theme of her story. Um, that they're they're just, they're figuring it out as they're cro- they're they're checking off the boxes as soon as they get to them. They don't they don't know what's going to happen next, but you know they have a broad idea of what they want to accomplish. But actually accomplishing it, we actually get to see her and her handler kind of figure it out, which I, I fucking loved. Right. Uh, so absolutely so, loved. <laughs> so uh, here's my favorite part of of this story. Even though I am I like I like this story, I am I'll admit. Uh, on analyzing the show as a whole, I'm actually a little annoyed at the uh, segregation of the three stories. You know, I'm looking at this, I'm saying like, you know, up until episode six, at least, uh, all of this could have been cut out and it wouldn't have affected the other stories at all. You know, I wouldn't be missing any information. But within this story, um, okay, so she is uh, the new recruit... uh, Okay, and she is, when you say her handler, that's, I want to mention Jean-Marie, mm-hmm. which is uh, what I call Mama Pixie. That's the blonde lady, <laughs> uh, who is definitely uh, MILF territory in my estimation, um, and, and one of my favorite characters in the show. Uh, at... at uh, early on, like Jean-Marie explains that you have three types of enemies. Do you remember this part? Oh, yeah. There's there's the prey. Uh-huh. Uh, there's, um, uh, I forgot the second one, but the third one is the predator. And the, the predator is the one that is actually actively doing what she's trying to do. And she has to, like, crush them, but not directly. You know what I mean? Right. And what do you um, do with the which, what do you do with the prey? Uh, I forgot. Damn, I should take yeah. notes on this because this wasn't in episode six, so I didn't take notes on all of these. Actually, uh, I think I think by the end of episode six, we've seen how she deals with all three. Uh, her boss is the predator. That's the one she's got to dodge and not uh, raise his suspicions. And mm-hmm. like you said, like uh, it's really smart of her. Like an an easy route would have looked like sleeping with him you know because that was an option he's yeah. he you know he he's likes the one that he's... pulled the yeah he shot the shot on that he was like hey let's go fuck you know like like and, no and subtlety she, whatsoever and she diffused that in in a really brilliant way that yeah. that totally put any suspicions he might have uh to rest in fact uh that's yeah gonna become important later uh, the other one is is the prey. Wait, wait, wait. let's the... talk. Let's wait. Okay. Let's talk about that because this was brilliant. So when she, when Baby Pixie and Mama Pixie are talking about this, right? Uh-huh. And and Mama Pixie's like, you can't sleep with him. He'll never take you back with him. Um, but you need to still keep his interest, right? Right. How does she do that, right? 
she 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 well she, well mama pixie's like you can't turn him down and embarrass him right because now it's going to be awkward and he's not going to want to talk to you you still got to keep him close but not like scare him off so what does she do she's like oh do you have a boyfriend or you know am i like not attractive or blah 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 and she was like no 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 you 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 look like my father so 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 and then she talks about this goes on and like kills like any sexual mood that would ever be possible. See, I want to jump really in there. I want to jump story. in there because what you said a second ago was you can't embarrass him. What she can't do is embarrass him publicly, but what she does is embarrass him privately in a very uh calculated way that that he ends up like apologizing so deeply to her for crossing the line. That like it's it it gives her such a good psychological advantage over him, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, but like, but I think when she was talking about don't embarrass him, like you can't be like, oh, I'm ill, I'm not attracted to you or something like that. Like, like I like you're definitely right. Like she put him, she basically checkmated him with that, where where like he he felt guilty. That's what I was looking for. She like basically put him into like a position of guilt. Or something. Right. The yeah. other, the other, the other enemy is the prey, and that is yeah. the the guy that is looking like he's on the fast track to oh. taking the place that she wants to go to Iran. Okay. And and she uh, she deals with that again. That's something where you know she goes to Mama Pixie Jean Marie and says, "What are we going to do?" And that's what you know, like you were saying, like Jean Marie explains to her, like, "Hey, you know." At some point, you're going to have to figure out how to think on your feet. We'll always be there for you, but we can't do everything for you. Um, right. And she basically lists out a bunch of things like, don't bo- don't break both of his legs. <laughs> don't yeah. put cyanide. You know, she, she gives her yeah. a list of things that you shouldn't do. Uh, and But uh, she crafts, uh, she uses her boyfriend uh, to, you know. By the way, that to- whole relationship was super weird. Uh, I, 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 I get which, which, the which attraction with, with her, with her, with her interrogator boyfriend, you know, he basically beat the fuck out of her and she realized they were test that the DGSE was testing her loyalty. And then she just wants to fuck him, you know, like, like <laughs> it, it was, it was really strange how it played out, but I guess it kind of makes sense, especially like in this world, you know what I mean? You might've, but I might've missed that. Was he the interrogator? Yeah. When 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 they, they arrest her and, and they start accusing her, oh, you've been going to meet with this. We believe you're working for an Iran. You're a spy for Iran and blah, 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 blah. And they just start grilling her. And, and the guy that was interrogating her, the one that, like, fucked her up and, like, is screaming at her and shit, um, that, that's the one. And, and then – he he tells her where he runs every day, and she goes to meet him, and then they fuck. Yeah. Oh wow. Funny. Oh god. Yeah. Damn, I missed that. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh, uh, that that I gotta ruin quick because that it all happened so fast, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Well, now we're fucking," and and I'm like, "Oh, okay." Uh, I, yeah. So I just got a kick out of that, but yeah, uh, yeah. Keep going. Uh, well, she, how, how I mean, she, she, she asks him to uh, do her dirty work for her, and that involves, wow. uh, you know, flattening his bicycle tire, and, and the guy, you know, her, her fuck friend, 
because um, you know clearly it's not a it's not a seriously uh, serious relationship. It's it's all based on sex and uh, mutual. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, doing favors like intimidating the fuck out of some guy. Um, <laughs> it's an excuse. It's an excuse for that guy to make some very like veiled threats. Yeah. Uh, toward the guy about like how you should not go to Iran, and then later he's uh, somehow calling the guy the prey uh, from a phone number that looks to the prey as if it's coming from his wife's cell phone number. I'm not sure how they accomplished that. Oh no! Uh, yeah, he 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 met the wife and said his phone was dead, and and then asked and then asked to borrow her phone and just calls him. He oh, like shit. she. He was like, oh, I missed that shit. too. Oh, good. Call. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Oh my god, that shit was so crazy. Like, I was on the edge of my seat watching that whole interaction. Yeah, because he's he's really strong arming uh, the prey guy. Right, and he's got the distance. Like yeah. you know, and what's the prey gonna do? Whatever, you know. So yeah. so that plan works. And then there's the third type of enemy, which uh, I think. Actually, I just rewatched six, so now I feel like maybe am I? I might be. Stop me if I'm jumping ahead into yeah. episode seven. Uh, do you remember her getting really drunk with a friend of hers? No. Okay, so I'm gonna stop there and and not spoil it. But uh, the third the third enemy is your friends. The third oh, enemy is, is, is people okay. that you like. People yeah. that are like like on That's your right. side in yeah. the office. And, uh, you know, uh, Mama Pixie, Jean-Marie's advice on that is you have to crush them ruthlessly as well. That will happen. We I guess we'll save that for a, a next podcast episode. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the three types of enemies... They're all established, and and we get to see Lousseau handle each of them uh, in a particular way. I love it. Doesn't have anything to do with any of the rest of the story. Yeah. Uh, any any final comments on Lousseau, or are we ready to move on to Cyclone? Um. No, I I just wanted. I, I really like we we talked about how she dealt with uh, the guy that was her competition for the spot. And um, uh, I, I just liked how the the boyfriend that she was fucking calls himself the horoscope man, and and I guess the yes. horoscope for he's like, oh, you're Sagittarius, November is something, blah blah blah. Hey, it says don't take any risks. Letting you don't take any risks. <laughs> like, dude, it was so like gangster the way he just kind of sneaks it in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I I, I liked it a lot. Uh, but no, I, I think we're good. I think we hit like a lot on that, and yeah, we're definitely good to go to Cyclone. All right. Tell me about Cyclone. Start by telling me what we remember from, uh, you know, what's happened from, what do you remember from episodes one through five about Cyclone? Well, so Cyclone gets established in episode one, right? Where he's like drunk yep. and gets mm-hmm. caught by the police. And, he's, and that's uh, who. He's a Le Bureau agent in Algiers. Right? That's right. And, and he gets arrested and then just falls off the radar. And that's when the Bureau is basically doing a bunch of like table talk 
strategy analysis of is he a trader or is he not a trader? And, you know, like I, I always love, I always bring this up in our podcast. Like anytime we get to see any amount of analysis makes me really happy because it's mm-hmm. not exciting and you're not going to oh, love- see it in, in film like very often. No, they, so. the, anal- the analysis scenes in this show are fucking off the radar. Like they're yeah. so good. Yeah. I, the I, question, like I enjoy every. Yeah. The question yeah. is like, uh, did he, um, you know, did he get clocked? and picked up uh did he just fuck up like was he just really drunk um did he plan to disappear because we saw in episode one like um you know they traced it you know he got i mean all they know is uh he was drunk in public right the police took him to the police station they made some moves to see what's going on in the police station and they found out like he's not there so he has just disappeared off the map and they don't know why yeah um, did he organize his own departure like is he yeah they were him? they were they went they list like every possible option that maybe he just fucked up and the thing is is he's like a devout muslim so there's a video of trying to train him to deal with interrogation drunk um and he refused to drink because he's a muslim and now he gets caught drunk it doesn't look very good for him right you know, like he's supposedly this devout Muslim that doesn't drink and now he gets picked up drunk. So did someone poison him drunk? Did he actually get drunk? Did he have some change of heart? Like, or, or was this all set up for himself to get caught? You know, it's the, it, they, they don't really leave out any possible scenario. And then they pretty much one at a time, try and eliminate as much of the scenarios as possible to try and figure out which one it is. That's right. That's right. Um, when we when we pick up on this story in episode six, uh, you know they've they've given the job to De Bailey, um, uh-huh. and uh, when we pick this up in episode six, it's actually the opening scene. He's going to meet with uh, some Algerian contact about Cyclone, and this is a follow up on like. Basically, like, uh, I don't know, uh, in conversations with the Algerians, uh, you know, Debele and DeFlo had talked Mag into letting them, like, drop some hints, you know, and, and like, they're trying to figure out, like, what, what do you guys know? And we can't, they don't want to just straight out say, like, Where's our agent? <laughs> yeah. They just want to say like, "Hey, do you remember how it feels when something went missing?" Hint hint. <laughs> um, Duflo's thing which Mag does not like. He thinks it's like, you know, way over t- over the top is like mentioning some like a missing submarine incident uh from history, but that would be meaningful only to the right people. Like, right. it's like, if, if the other side doesn't know what you're talking about, they're not gaining any information from what you're saying. But if someone on the other side knows that you are missing something, mm-hmm. then they'll get the message. 
that yeah. that we're we're looking for something that has gone missing and we think it's possible that people that have lost something and if someone else found it maybe should have we should have a conversation yeah yeah <laughs> in, in general and yeah. one guy takes the bait and and uh de bailey that's a uh, um uh, i forget his name but um uh de bailey has you know takes them out for drinks you know and and they talk about scooters and and he specifically he doubles down on this idea of having lost something you know yeah. hey i lost this scooter that was really important to me and I loved it very much. And and it's all like, this is, I, you know, if we were doing like top tradecraft, you know, best number ones, twos and threes, like this is a candidate for number one, this kind of right. uh, um, subtle uh, insin, you know, uh, having a conversation about one thing and just trying to see uh, what the other person, how the other person reacts yeah um but uh you know apparently some this guy that he had drinks with and talked to about the scooter uh has taken the clue and there there's a meeting involved where uh and that's how episode six starts out on on this story is uh i love the whole scooter back and forth all right it's, it's super funny but like um they they really keep going on this whole scooter story and and when they reach out to him they even send a picture hey by the way here's a scooter and they send a picture of a scooter the reason why they send that picture is because the payment they're looking for they want for the information about cyclone they made like an ebay <laughs> they made like an ebay page post selling this scooter with that exact picture it's and they keep fucking they keep, nuts is what it is. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and they keep adding money. People keep bidding on it to raise the price. They're like, the auction's going to end in two days, so you better fit. You know, like they. By the way, they went through a whole. You want to go through like the whole chain of like pulling pulling to Bailey like into the garage and and like just avoiding any contact with anybody. I do. I do. If if you want to take me there. I have some thoughts, but but you no you no no drive. yeah you drive I, no 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 you go ahead talk talk about it. I just oh, really okay. really like the eBay thing the eBay thing was so fucking funny it's, I, yeah I I thought it was it's absolute quite, brilliance it's yeah. quietly hilarious and and just fucking great and such a great way again to uh, create distance you know yeah. of of like communicating without communicating like like mm-hmm. it's so fucking dead drop. Uh, or, or it's not that it's something else. It's, um, what are those, like, what, what do you call it when people make up those, those games on the internet where there's like clues left on certain websites and you have to go and figure out like what this code means. And then if you translate it right, it'll take oh, you like to a another goose chase, web- like a what? Or, or, or no, no, uh, uh, a scavenger hunt, right? Not not exactly that. There's some more modern concept to that wow. that used to be really popular around 2015 um, on the internet where, like, people would, like, they would match, I don't know, they would create Easter internet. Type of thing? Yeah, like, internet mysteries for people to solve. And some people, uh, like, some uh, 
I, I know of some like games or movies that and, and video games and board games that use this as like a marketing campaign. You know, can you solve the mystery? Uh, yeah, you know, Cards Against Humanity does it every year. Oh, really? Um, there's like a big treasure, and there's like they send you like like I have a Cards Against Humanity card with my name on it because my sister got it for my uh, for Christmas one year for me, and like they just send you a bunch of little clues and games, and everything has like hidden messages, and like there's like a whole Reddit for it, and they all try and solve the puzzles so that they can all get to the treasure party or some shit. It's it's really cool, but right. I like, see what you're like, getting at. I mean, there was like there was an Overwatch character uh, that was being teased as like a hacker, but like nobody knew like who or what the character was gonna be. But they were dropping clues like all over the internet, and people were scrambling to try to like put the pieces together. And then oh. it finally turned out to be Sombra, like like all that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is this is what we've got going on, and, and oh. It's fucking great. Um, but as far as the, the transfer goes, okay, so they're going to, uh, uh, I guess they, they want him to meet in one parking garage. And then their plan is they're going to pick him up and take him to another parking garage. You know what parking garages are good for, David? Uh, no signal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... I did, I mean, I kind of quibbled, you know, like, uh, the mule, that's the black lady. There's, there's three, uh, what do I want to call them? Uh, oper operational support characters that, uh, seem to work for the Bureau. There's grandma, grandpa, that's two dudes. And then there's the mule, which is the black lady. I don't understand why grandpa and grandma always work as a team and the mule works alone, whatever. Uh, uh, but the mule drops DeBailey off. Grandma and grandpa are, uh, you know, uh, tailing and following like all through this situation. I really thought like it was kind of, uh, I don't want to say idiotic, but like even I could have told you that, those three people were following them. It's like, <laughs> it's like super obvious. Right. <laughs> um, you know, like, like, and, and the, the car she's got, it's got like these gold rims on it that would stand out. Um, you know, it's a little blue car. Like it's a very identifiable car. I didn't like that. You know, I think I think you should do this kind of operation with more of a car that kind of blends in, and mm. and is you know just looks like any other car. Uh, but but I do like the idea, like when they do do the trail, and uh, De Bailey is at the second garage, which is where the Algerians drop him off. You know, and these are guys that just are you know using. Uh, you know, motorcycle helmets. You can't see who they are. They just drop them off, hand him a phone. So it's not his phone. It's a phone that they've given to him. And he's getting his message from his Algerian, his, you know, uh, deep throat 
I don't want you to know who I am, but I want to communicate with you contact through Bluetooth. That was so brilliant. It was, it was because <laughs> Grant, I, I, free, I can't tell the difference between grandma and grandpa, but one of them figures out like, Hey dude, he's getting a, he's getting text messages. There's no signal down here. It must yeah. be Bluetooth. That means the person must be close. And like mm -hmm. watching him go out like with his phone and just try to like, you know, what kind of, device, yeah. <laughs> and try to triangulate like, Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's one. Of, it's one of the things that makes this show just kick. Yeah. Um. So it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't exactly work out. I mean, Paul or De Bailey gets the information. Gets the information about the scooter. They match the picture of the scooter with the eBay stuff, and so that's uh, established. Um. The next thing that I really, really like is where, and maybe it's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's kind of dumb for people like real intelligence people, but everyone at the table really needs to be walked through this. And DeBailey just does it by like asking them questions and like, what's going on here? And he just responds by saying, how? And then they answer and he says, why? And they answer and he says, why? And then he they answer and he says, how? And just by like tightening through the logic, he establishes like whoever it is, like the Algerians, if they had Cyclone at this point, like they would be talking to us. They know we want to talk to them. They know that we want to negotiate if they have received our secret, I'm doing air quotes, which totally sucks on a podcast, but <laughs> secret messages with air quotes, um, whoever this is doesn't want to be found. Why? Because he must be operating alone. Right. There's, no, there's no other logical explanation. This is a rogue operation. Yeah, the amount of level of secrecy to keep them away from the identity of who's behind this, like, definitely tells them, oh, this is not the Algerian government. This is someone involved in Algerian intelligence or something right. that has him or knows who has him or right. figured out who has him as in, and is involved in this, trying to keep it under wraps themselves. Fucking awesome. Yeah, total, totally brilliant. I, I, every moment of this show is just like absolutely brilliant. <laughs> um, but we don't get to see the end of the cyclone problem. Um, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Still but... trying to identify who it is. Oh, they figured out who it was. That's right. They called one guy. Uh, yeah, De Bailey called the guy they were suspicious of. And then pretended to be That's his right. doctor, got on the phone with him. It was like, hi, uh, I got your message about the scooter. And then the guy just hangs up. And they're like, all right, he knows. You know, right. Which so, cool. so they know that they're on the right, the right track. Meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile, and, and we can get off Cyclone after I mention this. Uh, meanwhile, DeFlo has talked to his superior and 
found out that there's an oper there's an American operation called Felis. Felis is the medical station operation. Do you remember seeing this so far during the show? Like there's some yeah, the doctor. There was a doctor right. and they had to pull him out uh, because shit was getting dangerous, right? Right. And if I remember correctly, though, like they pulled him out, but then they put him back in. They said, no, it's yeah. okay for now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is this is all I know about Felis so far uh, is that it's an American operation to find a terrorist called Chakal, probably, uh, you know, uh, probably translates as Jackal. Um, two things, two things I know about the Felis operation, which mostly confused me uh, up until now, but two things I do know is that Cyclone helped pick the location for Felis. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't know, like, uh, Cyclone doesn't know what Felis, what the Felis operation is, but he did pick the location. So there is a threat about the Felis operation, depending on the what is going on with Cyclone, which we don't fucking know. But... He, he might know the location, but he doesn't know the details. So there's mm. that. And also, like, the people that are behind Felis think that they can pull off whatever they're going to pull off and capture Chakal in the next 10 days. So as long as the Cyclone loss thing can be, like, you know, as long... He says, like, as long as I don't get any bad news in the next 10 days, we should be fine. Mm-hmm. But the big worry is that we might get some bad news in the next 10 days. <laughs> um, the other thing that I know about the Felis operation, which right now I don't know the relevance of, but it is there, is that DeFlo's brother-in-law is in that operation. Like, he's his brother-in-law is one of the guys at the medical station. And so I get a little confused about, like, why Duflo can't... And uh, in case we didn't say who Duflo was... Uh, oh, no, I know we did. Uh, that's the bald guy. It's the head of the bureau. It's the guy with the funny ties. Um, <laughs> like, why he can't just, like, contact his brother-in-law to find out what's going on. But apparently, for some reason, he can't. That's all I know about Cyclone. And then there's... Unless you have more about Cyclone... No. There's another story going on. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any more about Cyclone? No, I'm good. Um, I just really liked the eBay thing from episode six that I think is my favorite part of the episode. Totally um, dope. And I, and I liked like the whole setup. It was very believable how they'd be able to pull that off. Because the first garage, they just bring micro motorcycles and then just drive off with them. And then just like they're being tailed so they get away from the tail. Then like it's the, the whole switch back and forth and getting him in play just so that they could get the information to him without being discovered. I thought was really cool. All right, cool. Uh, so there's uh, we we cycle back to and this was like where episode one of season one started out, which was uh, you know uh, at the beginning of the series, De Bailey, our main character 
has just been pulled back from an operation in Damascus. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how he's becoming now involved in like, uh, you know, the other stuff that's going on. Nadia is a lady that was part of his cover. Well, okay. How do we describe this? Uh, she was never a target. She wasn't his target. Right. She was, she was just someone that he kindled a romance with and it made his cover better. She was a married woman, right? That's true. That's true. And he's kind of just like fucking her, but I I think their relationship got uh, more serious that they actually kind of had feelings for each other. Well, he gets told by at the time his handler Mama Pixie Jean-Marie, like, it's time to pack it up. Come home. Your operation is done. And so he has to tell her, this is the first thing we saw in the first episode of the series, first scene of the first series, I think. Um, You know, he had to tell her, like, it's over. I'm I'm out. But not giving her any information. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so now he's back in Paris and now he's got some new jobs to do. Uh, primarily he's, well, I mean, two things. And this is how the characters do interact with the different stories. But again, the stories don't uh, affect each other. But DeBailey was involved in story one, as in like he was, uh, his first job was to train Lousseau. Mm-hmm. And then his second job is to be put in charge of like, find find out what the fuck happened with Cyclone. <laughs> but here's the weird complication is he is still like he actually he actually has fallen in love with Nadia. So he's just fallen, you know, uh I I forget what movie it comes from, but even spies fall in love, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's always the uh, case. Oh, no, that was in, that was in uh, The Good Shepherd. You know, uh, looks like your son has fallen in love with her. Even spies fall in love. Yeah. And it keeps, <laughs> and it keeps happening. And this one is a really, really cool, interesting case of that. He's yeah. still in love with someone that he only knows as his cover identity. And yeah. that would be okay, maybe. But, uh, and you might, I think you've watched more recently than I have, than I made these notes, but does he reach out to her first or does he find out that she's in Paris? Um, No, she didn't even know she was in Paris. He, I forgot what triggered the phone call, but from their conversation, I think he was worried that she got bombed or something. And so he oh, calls that's right. her. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. To, to make sure that she's like not dead. You know, and and it turns out that she was in Paris, and and then that's when they start fucking again. Uh, but that's that's when make it makes things more complicated because he was ordered by the agency to break up with her, right? And so he's not supposed to have any contact with her again. He's not and, supposed to be. So his cover name was Paul, and here comes the butchering. Left left February left left February left. Hold on. What Fuck is it? you, France. Yeah, <laughs> like you can't, oh. you can't, you can't put three consonants in a fucking, yeah. you know, 
Uh, we're just going to call yeah, Paul, you Paul. 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 Fevre. Paul. Yeah, we're calling him Paul. Paul the Paul the philosophy uh, professor. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. So he's so what he's doing is, uh, like his cover should have been like retired, I guess. Right. But since he still has a relationship with a woman that he has feels for under that cover, oh. and now that she's in Paris, he's like, hey. I could do this. I could still be right. with the woman he loves. The agency right. should not know about this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Which I he, don't even know. He doesn't. It, well, the problem is, is the, if they find out, he'll be in trouble. Because he's. I would to think he should be in very big trouble. Yeah, I think that's so actually how episode six ends. Is when he yeah. he comes clean and he says, yeah. "I've been doing. <laughs> I, you know, guys, I can't. I can't." keep it a secret anymore i've been doing this and it was wrong and by the way i'm gonna say really quick right now i love this show i love these characters the fact is i know that this character goes on for another is involved in another four seasons of Uh libero uh you know just meta knowledge uh this seems like a firing offense this seems like a fuck you you're yeah. retired after after right. we find out that you that you were abusing, uh, you know, a state created alias for your own boner. Right. Doesn't right. that sound Doesn't that sound like a firing offense? Yeah, I I would say so myself. Uh, okay. uh, but I mean, like he's a veteran. They they definitely paint him as like a hardened veteran. So I think with his service, they might be able to overlook this. Maybe give him a slap on the wrist or something. But I think um, it's just the show likes the character, and I like the character, and we all want him to continue. Yeah, but yeah, we all want to see this happen, and we want him and Nadia to live happy ever after. Even though it's fucking adultery, you know. Okay. It gets weirder. It gets weirder in that Nadia, who during his time in Damascus was not a person of interest, now that she's in Paris, she's acts she's coincidentally possibly become a very important person of interest because yeah. she, as an expert on Syrian history and like all the complicated uh, Middle East kind of stuff like she's involved as a consultant as a primary consultant in discussions that uh the exiled government of syria are having with the russians by the way why are they having these talks in paris i don't fucking know (laughs) it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem ideal uh maybe i don't understand it um better than that but it definitely suits the story so what we have now is a situation where oh god oh god it's so complicated you have a spy who is still in love with a uh let's let's say uh um a Uh non-target who has become a target a potential target right and they, the people around her, 
are becoming very much uh, suspicious about, you know, because they want to keep the intelligence tight. They're trying to keep this these talks uh, very secret. And so they're starting to worry about her relationship with this Paul guy who she doesn't know is a spy. (laughs) Well, I think this is a spy. They actually both have a moment where like she even expresses to him like what because he's asking he keeps grilling her what are you doing in Paris what are you doing because he he figures out something's off and he starts to realize that she is a person of interest and he starts to panic because he thinks that she's on like she, she he I think suspects that she might be have been trying to turn him but it turns out she just became a person of interest later and 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 so he ends up eliminating the idea that she's targeting him, but it doesn't change the fact that they're watching him. And then she kind of figures out, like she puts the, you know, she's not an idiot, right? She puts the pieces together. I don't know who you are. We always meet in hotels. You don't tell me much. You leave and you come and you go and you blah, 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 and whatever. Do you want to tell me about the, cause he starts grilling her. She's yeah, like, she's okay. But she's got, she's got questions, but, but her questions are not leading her to the real truth. Like, like she, she wouldn't. Well, I know. I think she doesn't care. I think she has figured out that he's somebody doing something, but it doesn't matter to her. She's just enjoying the romance and vice versa where, where he starts getting suspicious and starts grilling her. And she's like, look, you know what? Like, it doesn't matter. Like we're meeting because, you know, like, you want to tell me why you do X, Y, and Z? No, you don't want to tell me. But that's just the way it's been, and that's that's what I'm happy with right now. You know what I mean? Type of thing. Like she's she's very very like like uh, privy to to something's up. She she probably doesn't know that he's like a spy spy, but he's probably involved in some shit, right? And so they both have to play this game where like he has to pretend he has to really hold the cover of like the philosophy professor. You know what I mean? And she mm-hmm. still has to like hold the cover of her just being like a Syrian historian, you know, with him in order to protect each other, you know, which I thought was very, very brilliant writing. I'm just saying that like her imagination at this point has not elevated itself to the level of my boyfriend might be a spy for the French DSGE. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're you're totally right that like there's you know she's you know hyper alert that something is going on weird with him, mm-hmm. but like in her wildest imagination, she hasn't come to the conclusion that holy fuck, have I been sleeping with James Bond for the last four years? <laughs> like that's that 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 possibility has not crossed her radar screen mm-hmm. yet um and it's not too it's not too far trust me in episode seven the very beginning of like all cards go on the table and she'll find out he'll tell her he'll tell her it, it, it's <laughs> the, the very beginning of episode seven so i'm not i'm not worried about spoiling that part um so I, so it's time to uh, yeah, it's time to mention Nadine, um, who is 
Oh, well, also it's time. Uh, I forget if we talked about it. Like, okay, so these are, uh, it's Syrians and Russia are having the talks. Uh, Syrians, uh, Bashar al-Assad is in charge in uh, Syria and he remains so to this day, right? Uh, so what seems to be the talks here though, and I'm not sure how historically accurate this is, and it could be, uh, um, oh God, what's the word? Um, something like theoretical, uh, you know, just imagining like what might've been happening in 2015 is the idea of the talks is that Al-Assad is maybe thinking that he might have to leave Syria and, mm -hmm. and give up power. Uh, but first of all, what's his escape route, which is always what dictators, you know, are, are concerned with first. Yeah. You know, <laughs> protecting their own asses and, yeah. and getting out when the getting is good and, and, uh, salvaging as much of the riches that they've extracted from the countries that they've brutalized so that they can live comfortably in the fucking Bahamas, you know, or like Nazis in Argentina kind of situation. But also what seems to be a meaningful, like what's the power sharing uh, going to look like? And that's what Nadia is mostly a consultant on. Like, like how are we going to divide up Syria if, Assad leaves. We are in 2022, so we know that Assad didn't abandon Syria, but I guess in 2015 it looked pretty dicey for him. So that's mm -hmm. what the talks are. That, anyways, that's what the talks are about. Um, and that's why the Russians are involved uh, and and the Syrians. So so Nadir. Oh, I keep calling him Nadir. No, it's Nadim. He's the mm -hmm. guy that is, uh, I don't know, uh, the, I mean, the Russians have their guys there, the Syrians have their guys there, but each side also has some intelligence operatives watching the meetings, making sure everything goes like safety, safety, secret, secret. Mm -hmm. Nadim is that guy on the Syrian side. He doesn't like this Paul guy that Nadia has been talking to. And at this point, uh, he's even gone to the point of having one of his agents kick the shit, uh, you know, like mug uh, to Bailey. This is uh, a piece of tradecraft I really wanted to talk about because they went through a training <clears throat> flashback with the Bailey. Uh, Tell the me about it. Take me there. Yeah, the guy that taught DeBailey how to like, you know, uh, like hand to hand combat fight. He's like, all right, I taught you how to fight. Now I got to teach you how to take a beating. <laughs> and like, this is like one of my favorite, like kind of concepts that we don't get a lot in like an action film. You know, like you watch an action film or like a sports film. It's like uh, whoever beats up the guy, you know, type of thing. Like DeBailey won by getting his ass beat. Because his objective is to make – he's figured out that he's being tailed by people because of his relationship with Nadia. He's not quite sure what's going on, but 
he knows that it's because of Nadia and he has to maintain his um, identity as Paul Lefavre, Le 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 just uh, Paul. that guy. Paul is fine. Paul, Paul. He's, uh, <laughs> he's got to maintain the identity as Paul. So he, the guy shows up and like fucks him up. And in the moment of, you know, cause any guy's reaction, it would be like to fight back. You know what I mean? Um, but we get a flashback in the like right at the beginning of the mugging of him training with this dude. And the dude's like, hey, you got to know how to like take a beating. Like, yeah, um, anybody can like, you know, get involved in a fight and try and win the fight. But like, you know, taking this loss to make I'm gonna it look teach like you how to bitch. get your ass kicked. Right. And he lists yeah. off the, you know, protect your vitals, cover your eyes, just, you know, basically get in the fetal position. But you know, you you look like you're a bitch getting your ass beat, but he's actually protecting very specific points on his body. You know what I mean? And so and like good. I thought it, was, yeah, it was fucking brilliant, bro. Like and and this is one of my favorite moments of the show. Is like they really they really like you know took it home, like sent sent it home. Like look, like just being a badass James Bond dude isn't isn't the the. That, that's not what this is about. Sometimes you really have to sell that identity. And if you're a philosophy, prof you could be a philosophy professor. That was like a, you know, champion judo guy or whatever, but that's not Paul. Paul's like your typical, like tenured professor that just writes and he's not a fighter. You know, he's, he's just like a typical academic that's uh, there trying to like keep his tenure and, you know, retire on like his nice, like, tasty salary you know type of thing he's not a fighter he's a lover he's just fucking married women and writing books about philosophy and stuff and he's french you know and 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 he just takes the beating doesn't fight back doesn't do anything just takes the beating it it, it, it yeah i anyway sorry i had to really really highlight this because I, I fucking loved it <laughs> no i i mean dude i had that highlighted in my notes as something to talk about i'm so happy yeah. that you you, 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 you took the <laughs> reins in your hand uh, yeah. yeah, it's fucking great. Um, so, whew. so yeah, so we've we've established that like Nadim, Nadim has got oh right, very suspicious of Debailey. Sent someone to to knock him out. We're gonna see in episode six, like also like uh, you know the guy that kicked Paul's ass, you know, not so subtly shows up with Paul's jacket and you know, without saying so, kind of lets her know. I'm not sure how good this tradecraft is. I, I think it's actually kind of poor uh, to alert Nadia that um, that her boyfriend Paul is, you know, possibly in danger. I, I think that's yeah, oh, tradecraft. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like dick, dick swinging... Uh, yeah. Unnecessary, unsubtle tradecraft. I fucked up your boyfriend. Right. But, oh yeah, that's fucking yeah, without lies. without saying so out loud. But yeah. still, like, I don't see what the advantage is of of telling her that. Yeah. Um, um, none whatsoever. And, I mean, and, and especially the line. By the way, you picked a fucking shitty guy. My, <laughs> right. my baby cousin could beat him yeah, up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very, it's, it's very dick, it's very dick swingy. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think that should get positive spy points at all. No. <laughs> um, Doctor Bombs is a character that we uh, haven't 
had to mention too much, even though she's uh, involved in all three stories. This is the blonde psychiatrist that's recently been recruited to the Bureau. Uh-huh. Um, it's around this time that uh, she tries to uh, kind of, you know, squeeze out some information from Jean-Marie, Pixie Mama. Um, Jean-Marie tells Dr. Bombs that Lousseau is maybe having trouble. Bombs offers to analyze Lousseau and then asks De Bailey to help check out Lousseau's apartment. And this is, I guess, the most where all three stories possibly intersect. Right. But at this point, uh, De Bailey is definitely being tailed. Uh, and he's being tailed, by the way, not just by the Syrians, who, uh, you know, is in the person of Nadim, who's suspicious of him, but also being uh, tailed by the Russians. When he goes to meet Dr. Balms, um, he's, he's on a, you know, he, they're going to meet at a train station, you know, a, a subway station. And because he's a pro, like he knows that he is or might be being tailed. And so like he gets off the train just as it's about to leave. And actually, like I wanted to note that I'd seen him do that before Mm -hmm. this episode. Uh, And when I saw him do it before, it just seemed like a habit, you know, like why not? Mm-hmm. You know, even if you don't think you're being tailed, like, like just throw off any potential tails. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, uh, that was cool. Um, he's okay. So he's getting tailed by a Russian guy and he does a spy check, which is an interesting one, which we haven't seen before. We have talked about, uh, spy, uh, I guess we call it spy checking, but I guess a better term would be tail checking. Uh, like a classic one is like, uh, I'm in the mall. I'm looking, I, I'm going to try out this pair of sunglasses and then, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, this particular tail check that he does is when you round a corner, uh, of a shop that has windows on both corners you could stop and look through the shop to see if someone is looking at you. Mm-hmm. Did you notice this one? Yeah. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, I love little 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 tidbits like this where like they they they're trying to clock someone watching them mm-hmm. and and like it's you're right, it's always the sunglasses hut type of thing. Let me That's look in the, the mirror while I'm looking That's at That's the classic yeah. one, right? Yeah, where you always see that one. <laughs> right. But this like corner like corner through the windows of the store uh is is one I actually don't think we've talked about before. The the quibble I have about this one is is I mean, it works, but also like his tail should know better, in my opinion. Like like yeah. this is minus five points for the tail. Like if you're if you're good at tailing someone, you should know 
like, first of all, don't follow your uh, subject into Sunglass Hut. <laughs> right? Number one. But also, yeah. another one is like, you know, watch out for these uh, uh, store corners where someone could turn around a corner and just check you through these windows. And the fact that, like, the guy, like, sees DeBailey, see him, and that they still, like, later, they're still like, I don't know, is this guy a spy or not? Like, they should <laughs> fucking, they should know. Like, I also, okay, I got more. I got more. Um, he's going to find out, or uh, Bailey's going to deduce that his hotel card, his, okay, so, you know, we don't have keys for hotels anymore. We have, uh, what, mag strip cards, right? Yeah, yeah, the, the key card, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, you know, he, he gets the notion that they might be tailing him by that mag strike. Uh, Uh, do you think that's, do you think that works? I actually had that in my notes. I, I wanted to know about this too. He calls, Hey, can a, can a key card be tracked on GPS? And the guy was like, of course they can even do blah, 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 blah. I'm, uh, I'm I'm a little unsure. However, um, after seeing that uh, spy documentary on Netflix that the International Spy Museum put out, um, with that gift that those Russian girls gave the president, that you couldn't, the bug sweepers couldn't pick up on, um, that they actually just sent signals to those so that they could get to hear what was going on. Um, I. I I and and after reading Snowden's book and his talk about the type of tech that exists, um, I am not going to doubt that it's possible. I just am not sure how that would even work. Um, uh, so I don't I don't know. And so if anybody can give us anything on that, please do because uh, I'm 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 not going to be in disbelief about it. It just seems a little far fetched. Uh, but considering some of the other things I've heard that are like, what? You know, um, it. I, I guess it's possible. Um, yeah. I, I'll say it sounds like bullshit to me uh, with also two more notes. Uh, if it is plausible, I don't think he... Uh, like, I think if it is possible, I think Bailey should already know about it. Uh, and then secondly... Oh, wait, actually, I guess I have three notes. Uh, Billy should have already known about it, so it's just exposition, having him, like, call and ask, like, is this possible? Um, Second is if they were... Well, they show that they were tailing him through this technology, so why did you have the guy on foot? Like, you just follow follow him around. (laughs) Like, you know, fuck it. Uh, and then my third note was like, I guess though, like some of this is like why it seems to me around 2015, it feels right to me. 2016 is when they started uh, giving us these chip cards instead of you know, oh, you know, we used to just swipe, but now yeah, now we have the little golden computer chip or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doesn't that seem about right? About, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. So, like, yeah, uh, yeah, mag strips, definitely very hackable. 
I don't think you can hack him. <laughs> I think that's some. What was that? What was that movie with uh, Gene Hackman and uh, a conversation? Uh, no, no, not not that one. Enemy of the state. Uh, yeah, that seems like some enemy of the state bullshit to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you could that you could like GPS a magistrate. Yeah, of yeah, a yeah. hotel card. <laughs> I, I, right. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, okay. So this this was supposed to be a, a you know a meeting of DeBailey with Doctor Bombs to check out like you know uh, check out Lissot's, uh apartment, but now DeBailey is like freaked out about the fact he's being tailed, so he like takes her on a weird chase, and then like Doctor Bombs goes to behind his back to Deflo and gives him a very very bleak psychiatric estimation about what she thinks might be going on with DeBailey mm-hmm. like I was pretty surprised by this um, you know she's talking about like uh, delusion you know he might be delusional he might be suicidal this is like this weirds me out like this weirds me out about Dr. Bombs, about like what kind of games she might be playing. You mean the psychiatrist or the, yeah. the therapist? Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I, don't, her- I don't know. I see her as kind of like an innocent bystander that's starting to pick up on shit, but I don't think she's really in it on anything. I just kind of thought it was weird, like, like how uh, bleak, again, uh, uh, just like her, like she's, she's going to, she's going to DeBailey's boss to flow and saying like, you really, really might need to worry about this guy. He seems hyper paranoid uh-huh. uh, and, and could be like self-destructive and suicidal. It seemed like completely over the top to me mm-hmm. uh, based on what she had observed, even though I admit that what she observed was not what she expected. She expected to just meet DeBailey and go and check out Lissot's apartment and get yeah, his yeah. notes on Lissot. Uh, but since he's, uh, you know, uh, suddenly saying like, no, we got to go left. Uh, we got to go right. Uh, <laughs> you know, pay. but she doesn't know what's going on. You know, no one knows yeah. like he's doing an, He's doing an operation that she doesn't know that he's doing an operation. His operation is private, you know, this protection of Nadia kind of thing. And so I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Last, last, uh, to me, we got to nail in on uh, what Nadim does uh, with uh, DeBailey's daughter, Prune. Uh-huh. Okay. I think there's some confusion here and might have been suffering from some bad editing. I did some redditing. Uh, I'll, I'll try to explain. But uh, do you remember, like, Nadim approaches to Bailey's daughter, Prune? Yeah, he found her shop. student ID in the jacket that they stole after mugging him, uh, which I felt was a little much. 
I felt that was a little contrived for the show. Like, I don't think you're not alone. You're not alone. Talk me through. I don't it. think. I don't think the Bailey would have made that mistake. I don't think there, he'd be walking around with her ID. You're, unless you're he's not planning on planting it, but I don't see any benefit to that if he's trying to protect her from the spy world. You're not alone, dude. There's people on Reddit that have raised that exact same concern. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, 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 don't, uh, I don't buy it, but it's a, it's I guess a nice way for them to like put his daughter in danger, which is for some nice I guess thriller moments. You know, yeah, it's very Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say yeah. that. Um, yeah. So you know. Uh, uh, advance a little bit into the future when uh, they have the conversation uh, with, with DeBailey and his daughter and his ex-wife and her new husband. If you watch that conversation carefully, you can clearly see that in those scenes, Nadim had returned her student ID card to her. But that didn't actually happen in the scene with Nadim and Prune. I th I think there was I think there was some like reshoots and some re-editing here. Well, no. What happens is is she goes to the cafe and they have uh -huh. it there at the cafe. Oh and, and the, oh wait 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 the, the, oh fix the barista, it for me fix it for me the the barista gives it to her. Or something, but I think you might be right about the editing being off because I think the barista gives it to her. Someone turned in your ID, and then he just shows up like a like a cartoon villain, like twisting his mustache, like creeping her out. You know what I mean? Uh huh. And um, intentional. So intentional. Intentional. Like, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. He's intentionally he's... creeping on her. Mm -hmm. But it was like, why give it to the cat, the barista, to give to her? When he could just give it to her himself. Hey, I found your ID. <clears throat> and then creeped on her. Why Why did they need to be at the cafe? That, that, helps, that, that helps me a lot. I did not catch that she was at the cafe to retrieve uh, the student ID card. So that uh, that, that mostly well, fits. I don't know that me. she went there to get it. I think that she was there to get it. And maybe maybe he was waiting there to scope her out. Sure. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 a lot of it's weird. Uh, right. But I, I did like that they went after her. You know, let's just like ignore the fact that they just happened to get this ID for whatever reason. But it's it's you know, and and it's still a little off. But she, I think she just happens to go to the cafe. But his his whole like creeping on her like was was like I. I th I think was a great move because it puts pressure on Paul. Right? I have que I have questions though. Okay. Okay. Nadim does not know that DeBailey is DeBailey. Nadim right. suspects that Paul is something more than he appears, mm -hmm. but he doesn't know the name DeBailey. Uh, he has one of his thugs beat up. Paul, and one of the things they find is a student ID card from a prune to Bailey. Okay, so yeah, you could follow up on this, but when he shows up in the in the cafe, 
uh, he intentionally like throws out the name Paul Paul Lefebvre, yeah. and she reacts to that, and it's pretty right. obvious. I mean, you don't right. you know you don't have to be a super spy to notice. You know, I mean, she's not trained or whatever. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one question I have here is why does why does De Bailey's daughter know the name of his? Why does she know the name Paul Lefebvre? I uh, don't think they addressed that, but later in the scene with the mom, um, they said, you told us never to mention that name in public to anybody. So, I mean, if I had to do some mental guessing, I would guess that maybe the wife or the daughter discovered that name somewhere in the house. And then he was like, don't ever tell anybody this. But they, they, the show never tells us how she knows the name okay. Paul Lefebvre. Okay. Um, but um, I just went through that scene at the cafe. She goes to the cafe and is told and tells the barista, hey, I gather my ID card. It was turned in. And the guy says, yeah, no, not many people turn stuff in. So I'm guessing the guy ha- doesn't know who she is. He just has her name and finds a cafe near the college and gives the ID to that cafe guessing that it's hers. Right. And so it's a bit thin that he could have yeah. uh, tailed her to be at there at that moment that she showed up. Or he could have been casing the place, but how he knew uh, she goes to that cafe. I don't, I don't. Yeah, Unless I know. But gets- how much, how much time, how much time are you going to like, on on that thin of a thread, like you just turned in a student ID, and then like how much time? How much time are you gonna watch that cafe, waiting for that person to show oh, up? Oh, well, I mean, if you're putting surveillance on, that's twenty four seven. It's just you just have to decide. Shit. It's very expensive to run surveillance, so you better mm-hmm. decide this is a high profile target. I All don't right. know if they're gonna spend that much time. Like it, you're right. This this like Syrian guy. Uh, is is really got a hard on for Paul, you know what I mean? And and I th- and and I think you're on the right track with with the, this is this is a little bit more Hollywood. Uh, that this guy I think it's a little there. iffy. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm not yeah. saying I don't like it. I'm just saying that's yeah. a little iffy. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I completely agree with you. Uh, a lot of it kind of bog- bugs me, but I guess it it's it's for some good you know thriller moments, you know. Uh, it works. Yeah. I mean, it works. It works for me. Here, here's here's my other thought. Like maybe, okay, a good idea might have been to look up Prune De Bailey in the in the phone book or something on the internet. Find out her dad is. De Bailey would have been fucked. He would have been clocked oh, right there. Yeah. Oh, well, like yeah. he would have been over. Name? Well, I hope he's not staying at a place with his real name. Yeah, but he exists somewhere. Like De Bailey oh, doesn't not exist. So right, if, you, real, if you yeah. if you have a line in on Prune De Bailey, I think the next move is find out who her family members are. Like right now, it, it might seem a little like I'm gonna put myself in the in the uh persona of Nadine for a uh, moment, right? Right. All right. There's this guy Paul. I'm suspicious of him. Uh, 
I find out he's carrying a student ID of a girl in his pocket uh, named De Bailey. Uh-huh. Why is that? What's yeah. my next what's my next move? What am I thinking then? I'm thinking I'm thinking I want to find out everything about the De Bailey family. Right. Who is this chick? Why? Why? I mean, could be. I a mean, dead one end, of my first thoughts might have been like, maybe, maybe it's a professor like fucking one of his students kind of situations. Oh, and then he could put that on Nadia and let her know. By the way, he's fucking his student, so you're not the know. only one. You know. Um, you're right. But yeah, if I follow that whole down though, like I, I don't know. I think, I think just you know, once he has the name to Bailey, like he should have followed up on the name to Bailey. Yeah. Because that would have led him immediately to Kiyom and it would have been case case closed. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, that circles back to why both of us agree that uh, to Bailey's mistake of ever carrying his daughter's ID card in his pocket <laughs> Right. At any time, yeah, is is bad. Yeah, at but any time uh, at all. Yeah. I don't know. There was he was even rigorous, hiding it. There was a pretty rigorous Reddit discussion about this particular thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was surprised. I was surprised. There's people out there that care as much about these details as as we do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the first thing I was wondering is why he has her card in his pocket, period. I saw him hiding it. He was even hiding it behind the, like, fire alarm. Yeah, it was something, like, he needed it to help her, like, like she need, uh, you know, it was a momentary, like, parent decision. Like, she needed help with, like, figuring out her student loan or her college oh, application yeah. or something. Yeah. And, like, he was, like, he needed it for, for a minute, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's how Nadim has gotten, uh, close enough to close enough, not quite there yet to right. DeBailey that, uh, DeBailey is now going to make his, uh, final decision, which closes out episode six. What's he going to do? Take us home. Well, that's when he starts letting the Bureau know about his relationship with Nadia. Yeah, right? he's putting all his chips on the table. He can't He yeah. can't do it alone. Right. And so he's going to need uh, the Bureau. He's going to need to come clean. And in order to protect the people he loves, he's going to have to have access to the Bureau's resources. It's... Uh, it's a pretty good cliffhanger. I think I am still on track on saying that it's the episode right after the middle of any given TV season series. That's the <laughs> one that sets us up. Right. And let's 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 bring it home and uh I don't know. Tell 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 the audience what uh what to expect next week? Well, next week we're going to do episode 10 of season one of the Bureau. Uh, and then after that, like you said, we're doing Sicario. Yes! Um, 
Yeah, and if if you haven't already, uh, you know, follow us on your favorite podcast app. Just search "Spies Like Us" podcast, and we should come up right up. Um, uh, you can come to our website, spieslikeus.net. Shoot us an email, uh, complain about us, tell us you love us, whatever. Just give us some feedback. We we love hearing it. Um, and then uh, you can follow us on Twitter, spies underscore like us, uh, or uh, facebook.com slash spies like us podcast. Uh, so if you didn't hear our first episode about Labiro, um, definitely go check that out and uh, join us next week for episode 10 of season one of Labiro. All right. And I, I'm just going to say this episode went very long, and I do not apologize whatsoever this was, <laughs> this, this was a banger this is a good one oh yeah oh yeah all i right. think it was yeah I'm we're out happy about it all right we're out the preceding transmission sampled the song enter the party by kevin mcleod and sound effects from freesound.org attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net <laughs>